Welcome, everybody, to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. Set apart, consecrated, dedicated, and beloved. We're, we're, the discipleship in a while requires that kind of love first. And if we don't understand our love for Him, and we don't understand how we should abide with Him, stay with Him, we won't be sticking our hands anywhere. And we'll be like those guys walking around going, I don't know about that. That looks a little bit too messy, a little bit too painful, a little bit too hard. But it's wild out there. It's crazy out there. And yet this is where Jesus sends us. Into the wild. And disciples who are not grafted and connected to the vine. We don't get the nourishment. We don't get the life that we need. In order to live out in the wild. And be his followers and be his disciples. Act like sons and daughters of the kingdom. With all the rights and responsibilities thereof. Love has to be at the core of our sacred work with him. Otherwise the bushes get too thorny. Too messy. Too hard. There's a very old African saying that really comes in the form of a question. And it has a deep, intimate implication And this old African saying is, will you walk with me? And the implication is this, that you're not just taking a stroll down the street. You're not going across the street. Will you enter my life and be a part of my life? Will you walk with me? No matter how tough my life gets. No matter how awful the life gets. No matter how thorny and uncomfortable my life gets. Will you walk with me? And that's the very same heart of Jesus when he says, Come, follow me. Because we understood that the Greek meaning there was to be in the way of someone. To follow closely, yes, but to be in the same way of the Messiah. Jesus says this morning, will you walk with me in the wild? Because that's where I'm going. That's where I am. I'm in the wild. Will you walk with me? Will you take those steps of faith and walk with me? No matter how hard it gets. You know, I said before that Jesus wasn't looking for the best and the brightest leaders. But people that were first willing to follow him. But make no mistake, Jesus chose wisely the people that he asked to follow him. He chose very wisely. There was great discernment in Jesus' choices. He chose people with unique skills and abilities. Fishermen understand fish. They understand the sea. They understand how to use their boats, how to use their nets. They know what kind of bait to use. And one thing that fishermen have, good fishermen have, is patience 
and determination to fish for something that they really can't see. It's below the surface. And like Leanne said, sometimes you've got to pick up the branches in order to see where the fruit is. Jesus chose very wisely. He chose people with unique capabilities. And then he took their practical skills and he gave them sacred work to do. He made them fisher of men. Because they would understand the patience that it took. And I know, I realized Peter wasn't very patient at times. So I understand that. But he understood. And eventually when it connected after the Holy Spirit came, he understood what it meant. Oh, this is what it means to catch men. See, his, his practical skills got a sacred purpose. Jesus said to him, will you walk with me so I could teach you that sacred purpose? So you know what that says to me this morning? When God called you, he knew exactly who he was getting. He knew exactly who he was getting. He knew your skills. He knew your abilities, the things that you have now, the skills and abilities that are yet to come as you journey with him. He knows your failures. The ones that already have happened and the ones that are yet to come as you walk with him. He knew exactly who he was getting. And he still chose you. And he still chose me. It really amazes me. And he keeps on choosing us. Keep on asking us, please come follow me. Walk with me. Journey with me. I will release sacred purpose in you. Your skills and your abilities, the ones you have, the ones you don't have yet. I'm going to give them a sacred purpose. To go out into the wild and make more disciples. Make more followers of mine. To look in the tough places. To look in the uncomfortable places. The painful places. The places where people don't want to look. This is, this is amazing of God that he would still choose me. That he would still, well, I believe he chooses you. You guys are great. Of course he's going to choose you. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. You are real pieces of work this morning. You really are. I'm a real piece of work. We are a masterpiece made by the Father's hands with great care, great design, great purpose. Release for purpose. Will you walk with me this morning? Will you walk with me? Jesus knew that you would walk in him, walk in this way. And he knew he would release sacred purpose in you. And this purpose comes from a life walk with Jesus. This purpose is life with Jesus. That's our purpose. First and foremost is to be his. To walk with him, journey with him, live with him, abide with him. Stay with him. That's really our purpose. And other purposes get released in that as we journey with him. John five twenty four. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. This is really a huge verse. Jesus is saying that whoever hears my word, and the Greek meaning here is not just hear my voice, not just hear the words, but listens in to get the meaning of them. Presses in. Gets closer. This is, this is again another intimate step here. It says, you know, it's not just somebody hearing or there's someone over there speaking. He is pressing in. So I make sure I not only hear the words, but I can hear the meaning of the words. Get the understanding. Jesus says that whoever presses in to hear my word, my logos, logos, the divine, the divine reason of God. The divine reason of God. Whoever hears my Father's wisdom, my Father's wisdom, revelation, and has faith in God is free from condemnation. Followers listen to God. And we find life, and we find the truth, and we find the way of following Him. Again, just like the, the, the prophecy this morning, the word this morning, God's calling us closer, more intimate, more closer, more intimate. I find this really generous of God to do this. This uh, the phrase "pass from death to life" uh, in the Greek it is it um, denotes a, like a lifetime a lifetime journey. There's a departure. And there is an arrival, but there's a whole lot of territory in between to cover. It's a big picture thing. He says, you know, you're going to pass from, from a place of death in your life to a place of life, of freedom, of restoration. And eventually, yes, it's heaven and it's living with God 24-7 forever, whatever that looks like. But there's a whole lot of territory in between. And that's our journey with Christ. Requires that kind of intimacy of living in the wild with Jesus. And I know I want to live more, more like a wild man. More like a wild man. John fourteen five through seven. Lord said Thomas, we do not know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you would have known my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I said this last week. This, this, this is the, really the, the crutch of the... This is the way of Jesus. To be with him, to abide with him, to stay with him. And this is great... I'm reading this book by John Elridge called Resilient. And it's been really, really helpful. Uh, for my own personal journey. And, and he has this great quote in this. And it says this. We will not be safe until we are completely his. We'll, we will not be safe until we com- are completely his. And John wasn't talking about personal safety or, or, or our resources or, or our money or all those things being safe. He was talking about our heart condition. That we won't be completely safe. Our security won't be completely safe. We won't know who we really are. Our identity will be confused until we, we won't know until we are completely His. Who we really are. 
See, that's the best place to be safe. Is to be His. And the thing I love about this is that Jesus is committed to a close, intimate relationship with us. Jesus wants us to be His. And that just blows my mind. God of the universe, our Messiah, the Holy Spirit, this God, wants to be intimate with us. We heard the cry this morning. He wants to be intimate with us. And in that way, God is never satisfied with that. Because he wants us closer. Because it's the best place for us. John 15, verses 1 through 4. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Then it might bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This is huge. The word abide in the Greek is so rich with meaning. It does mean to stay, to stay in a given place, to stay in a given state of mind, or, or, or stay in a, a, a certain way of, expect, of expecting something. We used to say that. It means to dwell. It means to endure. It means to be present. It means to remain. It's a pretty serious word. It means to stand, tarry, and it means not to depart from that place. Wherever Jesus is abiding, that's where we abide. Wherever Jesus goes in the, in the wild, that's where we go. We go where Jesus leads. We abide with him. We make our home with him. We stay, there, we stay in a shared sacred place as we walk with our master. Disciples are supposed to be embedded and grafted into the vine so that we can follow Christ into the world. This is the only way that we can. It's the only way that we can go and, and preach the gospel, make new disciples, make new followers of Jesus Christ. He said it himself, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's not a put down. That's just a reminder. There's no condemnation there apart from me that you can do nothing. Jesus is saying, you need to stay close to me. You need to stay connected to me. You need to abide with me. And you will find the fruit. You will produce the fruit. You will multiply the fruit as you stay with me. That is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Here's the thing, if we're not united to the vine so that Christ's life is flowing, flowing into us, then his words, his love, his joy will be missing in our life. And if they go missing, so do we. Our heart goes missing. It grows cold. Distance from God. And Jesus warns about that, not because, again... <laughs> Because we need to be reprimanded. 
we need to be reminded that we're more alive when we're connected to Him. I find that again so beautiful. He even prayed for this in the Gospel of John, in uh, John 17, verses 20 to 23. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they might all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also might be in us. So that the world might believe that you have sent me. The glory you have given me, I have given them. That they might be one, even as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they might become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you have sent me and love them, even as you have loved me. Being one with the Father is a big deal. It's huge. Can you imagine, just for a moment... God wants you so close to share in the same relationship that he has with Jesus, with you. To be one. And he does that for our benefit and also for the wild. So they might know. So they might know who we belong to. So so that they might know that the Father loves them. This is absolutely beautiful, generous, kind of God to invite us into this oneness. I don't know about you this morning, that just freaks me out, but in a good way. He loves us so much that he wants to be one with us. And Jesus prays this prayer just hours from being crucified. He's not thinking about his future. He's thinking about ours. Thinking about us. All those that would come to know him through his word. Through people making disciples. Everyone that's in this room, someone was responsible for bringing us into this room. Into this place. Into our journey with Christ. In becoming disciples and becoming a follower, becoming sons and daughters. Someone was responsible. Someone along the way, a prayer, a teaching, a sermon, an act of kindness, many steps leading us to where we are today. Somewhere as we heard the echoes of Jesus' prayer that brought us into this place. Jesus prayed for you that night. Jesus prayed for me that night. Doesn't that make you love him more? Then in his hour of need, he was praying for us. It's beautiful. So what does a branch life look like? We're all branches. What's, What's that life look like? What do we need? We need to be one with Christ. We actually need to be one with Christ. Romans 8.29 For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son 
so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. To abide in him means that we have this life-giving connection to him. It was only made possible because of Jesus. And here is our great Lord and King and Messiah making it possible for us to be one with God. That we share in the same relationship. Again, God doubles down on this idea throughout Scripture of His desire to be one with His creation. As I was thinking about that this this week, I was just overwhelmed with the kindness of that again. That this God who holds the universe in His hands, that formed everything out of nothing, would be so interested in my life. That he would want to make me one with him. It just leaves me stunned in awe. Again of the. The complexity of that. Also but the, the great grace that is, that is in that. That he would want to make us. We need to be one with him. He knows we need to be one with him. It's a holy covenant of love. And this is why I pray dearly. This new prayer. Journey that I'm on. In the morning, Father, heal my union with you. Jesus, heal my union with you. Holy Spirit, heal my union with you. Clear the debris field of the previous day. So that my union with you is complete. Before I start to pray for anything else, before I start to do anything else, I pray those prayers. Because I need to be one with him. I need my union to be complete, as, as complete as it can be as a human being, as I grow in him. I need to be connected with him. I need this holy covenant to be permeated in every part of who Jay is. It's the only way I can live in the wild. It's by being connected with him. It is his way. It is the way of Jesus. It really is abundant life. Until my heart is totally consumed with love for God, I remain ineffective to do what he has said is good in all his ways. This is why I need to be one with him. If I really want to go into the world and make disciples, if I really want to go into those uncomfortable dark places and reach into places I don't want to put my hands into, My heart has to be totally consumed with him and nothing else. That is what oneness is. His purposes, his plans, his desires, his designs, they're mine. And out of the giftings and the talents and the abilities, he will release sacred purpose in me. But I have to be consumed with him. I have to love him. With all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my spirit, all my strength. He is not just uh, number one on the list. There is nothing else on the list. 
when I love him that way, I get to love all of you better. I get to love the people in my life better. I get to love the people in the wild better. But I must be consumed with his love. I must be consumed about my connection with him. Because if, if all the life is missing because I'm not connecting with him, then I go missing again. And I don't want to go missing. I don't want to drift. I don't want my love to grow cold. I want to stay connected with him because I love him. My goal is not fixing anything or anyone. That's God's purpose. Only God can fix people. Mend people, transform people, heal people. My goal is to please God. To be more His. My goal is not some kind of political agenda, some kind of social action agenda. It's not even a good sermon. It's not even good works. My goal is not any of that. My goal is to please my Father and be more one with Him. Because when I am, all those things come. When I'm connected with Him, then I actually know what social action to take. What stance to take. I must know his mind, his heart, his spirit, his purposes, his plans. I must know him. Otherwise I have no chance of telling people about him. Or living like him. Oneness, I need to be one with him. Absolutely. And I must have a thirst for Christ. We know that... How plants work, sap, you know, sap flows from the vine to the branch, supplying it with water and minerals and nutrients, everything for that, for that branch, for the, that branch to grow and, for, to, and to produce fruit. That's our same thing with Jesus. He provides all that we need. All the strength, all the nutrients. You know, Jesus again said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. He knows that everything he was receiving from the Father was going to equip him to do what the Father sent him to do. That's, that's us and Jesus. There is work to do. There is this great co-mission that we're on. But we have to be connected with the Father's heart first in order to do the work the Father is sending us on. Otherwise, it's just work. And sooner or later, you get tired of the work. You get tired of getting your hands dirty, torn up. We must be connected to his heart so that when we do his work, his love is present. His purpose is present. His will is present. And mine is not. It's the only way I can communicate the way that he wants me to. It's the only way that I can love the way he wants me to. It's the only way I can heal or help or be a part of someone's life when they say, Hey, will you walk with me too? See, in order to go in the wild and make more disciples, we're going to have to walk with people. 
walking the lifestyle of very messy and disturbing. I like my life. Simplify it over here. I like my routine. Jesus says, you know, will you walk with me? Because that means walking with these people too. It just does. That's how we go out and make more disciples, more followers of Jesus. It's all in the wild. It's all out there. See, in here we get equipped to be disciples. We're already disciples. Out there we make disciples. The gospel, the good news. The power to change lives, heal people. Bring them out of the darkness into the life so Jesus can work with them and heal them and transform them. If I'm not connected to my Father, I'm ineffective. I might be busy, but I'm ineffective. That comes from having this great thirst. For God, he calls the thirsty souls to come and drink. John seven thirty seven. on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. This is not a thirst because I'm dehydrated. This is a thirst to prevent me from having a spiritual drought in my life. It's the thirst that drives me for more of the life that Jesus offers. It's the thirst that convinces me to stay hydrated so that it overflows in my life. And it also compels me to seek a deeper well of life with Jesus. That's the kind of thirst. Remember uh, um, the old Sprite slogan? said, thirst is everything. Obey your thirst. Thirst is everything. Obey your thirst. But Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 6. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Man, I need to be, I need to stay thirsty for Jesus. You know, I want this kind of thirst in, in Psalm 41, verses 2 to 3. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before you? Can you hear the thirst of this? It catches you in the back of your throat. It makes you want to take a drink. And I do did one. But the drink wants you to drink more. That's the kind of thirst. I long so much for God's presence in my life. I thirst for it. It's, it's like a deer panting for water. I want that kind of passion in my life all the time. I always want to be thirsty for God. That thirst for God, 
will help me recognize other people who are thirsty, but don't know where to go for a drink. Don't know where to go for the true source of living water. I'll recognize it. They may not be able to express it. They may not be able to put it into words, the, the right Christian words that we have. But the thirsty out there, they are. They're, they're trying to, to quench their thirst with, with other things. They're trying to obey your thirst with other things. Filling themselves with other things. And we have the living water. And like Jesus, we can stand up aloud and say, hey, anybody wants a drink? I know the source. You come to the source. You'll never thirst again in the same way. I need to be thirsty for Jesus. So that other people recognize that thirst in me as well. And the last thing I think we need, we need, we need devotion for Christ. We absolutely need it to be devoted to Him. Because abiding also involves faithfulness. We learned earlier that in the Greek, abiding means to stay, to stay with someone and not leave. Well, in the Hebrew, it paints a, a picture, a similar picture. This is why Mike's word is also comes into play here. It paints a picture of a home. And often in the Hebrew, when this word is used, it talks about a marriage. It talks about a the abiding that happens in a marriage. The intimate abiding that happens between a man and a woman in marriage. Isn't that beautiful? That's just gorgeous of God. That this is the kind of intimacy that he's, that he's talking about, that he's sharing with us, that he wants for us. Because abiding is deep devotion to God. That kind of intimacy. It takes... The deep devotion to be that intimate. John 1, 38 through 39, again talks about abiding. It says, Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. Some of his disciples came and they said, where are you staying? They wanted to know where he, he lived or where he was hanging out. And, and, and that word stay is the same Greek word for abide. Master, where are you abiding? And Jesus said, oh, Come take a look. You'll see where I'm abiding. And it's not just a physical place. Because wherever I abide, I bring transformation. I bring change. I bring life. I bring light. I bring the truth. I bring the way. I bring the life. I bring healing. Come see. Come see where I'm abiding. This is a huge invitation. Over and over again, God is inviting us to be deeper followers of Him. Deeper disciples of Him. 
so that we would have life with him. It's beautiful. Jesus says, come and see. Experience my life with me. Come stay with me. Come stay with me. John 8, 31-32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you away, set you free. I love this. Because truth is a person. It is absolutely crucial in the days that are we've experienced for the past two years and for what we're about to experience coming. There are harder times to come. This is just true. If we don't find our source, our, our nourishment, our life from Jesus, it is going to be very hard to walk with him. Our hearts will go missing. Our minds will go missing. Our emotions, our spirit will go missing. If we're not not just connected to him, but getting closer and closer and closer and closer to him. It's absolutely crucial that when we It is more than just reading the word. It is more than just praying. It is more than just worshiping. Because like we've already, all, all of us know that we all do that quick look at, uh, look in the promise kind of devotion, devotion time in the morning sometimes. We all do it. Got to get this in. Got to have my devotion time. Does your, is your life any different from that point on? Did you really connect to the vine? Did you really connect to the source? His word has to become food to nourish us. Worship has to flow from that place of dependence. Prayer are not just cries of desperation. They're they're cries of, I want to know your will. I want to know your purpose. I want my union with you to be restored so that when I walk out the doors, I never stop being connected with you. I'm always abiding with you. See, when our, when our study of the word, when our, when our prayer time, and when our worship time becomes a love affair, more than just duty, our life takes on a different look. Because it looks more like Jesus. Jesus stole the way in solitude to be with the Father. Purposely. Because he needed to. He needed that connection. But he was always walking with God. And so there's this Disconnect, I think, sometimes between our devotional life or our life of doing devotions and our actual walking with God life. 
where Jesus, I think, is asking us that, that there never be a separation between the two. If you catch my meaning. See, I studied the Greek and the Hebrew because I love my father and I want to understand his word more. That's why I do it. I'm not really, I'm not really a good student. I'm not really. I was always a B student in, in school and I never really applied myself. I do this because I love him and because it reveals more of his heart to me. I get greater understanding but then I'm able to go deeper. And so then he says, this is what I'm talking about, Jake. This is in your life. This is where you're missing something. And I want you to see it. I want to reveal it to you. And when he does, I'm not ashamed. I'm not condemned. I, I come back to life. I said, oh, I want more of that. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry for that. So I dive in deeper and deeper and I get caught in this this great wave of love for his word because it's food. It's nourishment. It's not just information for me. And so when I pray out of that place, then my prayers become more effective because I have more knowledge. And the Holy Spirit, which leads us to all truth, teaches me how to pray that is in union with what my Father wants me to pray for. That's why I need to be one with Him. See, my abiding with Him produces a oneness which connects me that helps me to abide more. So my worship now is, I love you. And I choose you. Because you first loved and chose me. And worship is, becomes my devotion to him. Because I love him. Followers of Jesus are so covered by the dust that Jesus kicks up that we are no longer looking just like Jay. Or Lance. Or Joe. We look like Jesus. We're covered with what Jesus kicks up in our lives. That's how close I want to be. I don't know about you, but when I'm working outside, and I don't like to work outside, but when I do, and I kick out some dust, what it does it do? It makes me thirsty. Do you see that God is calling us far deeper? So it's not just about doing stuff for him. It's just being with him. And if we're with him, we will do the stuff. And that'll happen. He'll release sacred purpose in us. We have to be more his. 